Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Allison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I'd love for you to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or follow the show if you're listening. I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is global superstar Damiano David of the Italian band Monaskin. We talk all about his dedicated journey starting in high school, practicing four hours a day, busking in the streets to his meteoric rise, selling out arenas around the world, how he stays grounded, healthy, and humble, collaborating with icons like Iggy Pop and Dolly Parton, how he navigates haters and the dark side of social media, and the possibility of a solo career. And stay tuned after the interview for my sound advice. New music you need to know. It all starts now. Well, firstly, I want to congratulate you because we just got news that the forum tonight yeah. is indeed sold out. Yeah. Which that would be impressive, but you've also sold out Madison Square Garden. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I think the most interesting show is the Circle Massimo show mm, that you yeah, did. That was great. Which is an ancient Roman chariot racing arena. Yeah. And you guys sold like 70,000 tickets. Yeah, something like this, yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> mind-blowing. You know, when you hear yeah. this, like, okay, in your hometown of Rome, you sold like the most historic, iconic venue. And then you come to America and you have the garden, the forum, like no big deal, sold them yeah. both. You know, <laughs> I mean, how does that make you feel? <laughs> um actually you never you never get used to it like Mm -hmm. um thinking that there is such a huge amount of people willing to pay and travel and and give you so much of their time because like the majority of of the fans they get to the to the venue like the day before two days before when we played um circus maximus there were people like waiting outside since the whole week so um, it's it's something so intense and so special that you never get used to it. And every yeah. time we get the news that like we sold out Madison Square Garden or like uh, Mexico City or like all, all these cities that are so far from yeah. from where we're from, uh, it's it's always like very very surprising. And we're like, how this this is happening? Like, and people, a lot of people probably think that you sort of like catapulted into fame you know yeah. and it was like <laughs> yeah out of nowhere you know you guys yeah. are just global superstars and you are global superstars but what intrigues me is the story behind it and how i know that you have been working towards this your whole life the whole band has yeah and i would love to learn more about you guys i've seen all the videos of you busking in the streets like mm-hmm. i love that and even rewinding to the beginning because i know you've been singing pretty much your whole life yeah yeah, yeah right yeah, 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 yeah when did you realize that you could sing or that you were that this was going to be your thing it was my mom and um my best like when i w- went to um elementary school my best friend mom uh she was a singer in a in a in a choir and she always told my mom, you have to uh, get him to study uh, like singing and music because he has, he has something, he has a talent, he has something. And my mom was like, well, was always like trying to make me go to like uh, singing lessons or whatever. But I was a very 
um, impulsive kid. So it was not easy for me to follow lessons and stuff yeah. like that. But I always wanted, like, I always had a deep connection with music. My first um, thoughts, if I think about my my uh, childhood, are always uh, with with some music playing. My dad is a huge music fan. He has a huge vinyl collection. So I'm also my first memories of when I was a kid in my house. It's with like these huge speakers that my dad used to have with music always playing. What so, were you listening? What were you what were you playing in your house? Uh, my like my dad's favorite artist at the time was um, this this Italian guy called uh, Daniele Silvestri, which is um it's a songwriter. He's very good. So my first music memories are uh, with with this artist. Okay, Italian I, music. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And I I knew all the songs when I were when I was like six. So like, it was pretty clear that I had this like, uh, musical tendency, you know, but I never realized till I was like 14. Okay. Yeah. And that's when you connected with Thomas and Vic. Yeah. 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 That's that, that was a point. I, I used to play basketball, um, like every day and blah, 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 like serious. Um, and that was one day where I, I was like, this is, not for me anymore. I want to do something else. And I started thinking like, what, what really drives me? What, what I like to do without even thinking. And music was something that was always with me all the time. Um, I was like one of, one of those kids wearing headphones in, in his own house, you know, like always listening to music. So I was like, let's just give it a try. And I, and I looked for someone to, to do it with because it's, it's just, I think more fun when you share it. Yes. Um, and I, I remembered at the time that Vic and Thomas, they were having a band because we went to the same school. I was like 14, 15, and they were like 12. <laughs> and uh, so I reached out to them and I was like, oh, do you still have the band? Like, I, I, I want to try to do something. And they, they had another singer at the time. But she was not that good as, as like, that's what they say. I never heard. Um, <laughs> so they were like, yeah, okay, you, you might want to try. And, um, so they, they, uh, fired the, oh, the former right. singer and I started singing them. And, um, then we started having like, we changed some formations and stuff like that. Then when we started having like chemistry and, and first of all, we were starting being friends. Yeah. Cause we were enjoying the time spent together. Then we found Ethan on, on Facebook. Um, I love that. That's how you found yeah, him. Like an, yeah, a Facebook it's, like it's, inquiry. It's yeah. so beautiful because it's, it has this, you know, this little, it could be a faith thing because he was the only person that answered our, our, wow. yeah, our, um, advertising on, on yeah. Facebook. So it was like, it was meant to be, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of romanticize it, but, um, yes, in the stars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know? Um, there's, there's a lot of things that actually makes us think that it was in the stars. Also, we all have the eight in our birth dates. Yes. So it's, uh, there's a lot of things that make us think that we're connected. Somehow, I love you know? that though. <laughs> so you had this chemistry very early on yeah. and you guys were focused. You practiced, you we were, were really committed. We were obsessed. Okay. Like, yeah, we were obsessed. We, we had this rule, like no fever, no off days, like no homework like there's nothing that can get you from uh, get you away from coming to the rehearsals it was like every day at least four hours doesn't matter if you're sick doesn't matter if you have to like study doesn't matter if you have to go out with your friends like if we want to do it we have to do it every day it has to be a job 
you know? And uh, so, of course, we were having so much fun because there were no responsibility. There were no, like, expectations yeah. from anybody. But at the same time, every time we were playing, uh, like, we started playing in restaurants and pubs and stuff like that. And uh, it doesn't work like here that you get like the venue and then the venue takes care of like the people coming there. They also want you to bring people in. And mm -hmm. we were like, how? Right. <laughs> we don't have like a fan base. So we started playing and we were always playing like in front of 10 people, five people and people that were not giving us attention. And we were so pissed of it. We were like, we deserve an audience. We deserve something. So we started like digging more and we started playing um, at um, like school parties and uh, school occupations. And then we started playing on the streets and then we started getting like a little bit of an audience in Rome in like the, the school circle. Like we were called every time when, when something goes wrong in a school in Italy, we have this tendency of like occupy the school, like uh, do a sit in. Okay, yes. In the school. So every every sit-in, we were playing there. We were like this, the high school stars. <laughs> I love you that. Know? Yeah. yeah, we had this this high school musical moment. <laughs> That's amazing. We're, yeah, we were like a thing in the high school in Italy. Um, but your busking Rome, videos Rome, Rome. were really good. I, I watched yeah, them. Yeah, we were, we were actually, that was our video maker at the time. Like we were focused. We wanted content and photos and stuff. We took days off just to do like photo shootings and... Uh, we were playing in the streets so we could get like some coins and yeah. collect the money then to like uh, uh i remember we paid our first mix it was 300 euros and we paid it only with coins oh. <laughs> in a, in a in a shoe box and the, when when we went to the guy and we gave coins him the shoe, in a shoe box, box it was like oh what, what do i have to do with this and we were like it's 300 we swear to god oh we swear to god, god it's 300 and he started counting it Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's rock wild. and roll. I sort of love that. Was that was very wild. I, yeah. You have come a long way, though, from your, you're wearing like a black turtleneck in like one of the videos, and like your hair is like a, a beautiful bob. Yeah. It was great. I looked so much older. I had the beard and the mustache. Very sophisticated. I, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I had like this, this, this uh, Johnny Depp fantasy. He <laughs> was know. total Johnny Depp. Yeah. But I yeah, love yeah. that. Respect that. Respect. I mean, come on, trying. It's, it's the best. Just trying. At this point, what was your dream? Like as a band, as, as a singer, what were you hoping to achieve and accomplish? We always wanted to be um, like a thing, you know, mm -hmm. like we wanted to be in actually in the industry, in the market, like being as every other artist, having our gigs, having our albums. So um, when we, we've, we've been called at a point we did like this this um event in rome which was a little bit bigger of the things we were used to do and um there was a like an x-factor uh, scout so the day like two days after this thing i get a call from this number that i don't have and i answer and she was like hi i'm I'm this and that. I work for x-factor we were wondering like do you want to do the the um uh how do you call it like um like audition yeah yeah do you, you want audition for it like well and i was like oh no thank you and i hanged up <laughs> hanged up because and you then, didn't believe it was the person or you thought it was no, like no because we cool. were like we were like yeah we yeah. were like oh this is not cool you know yeah. but then i i told them and especially me and vic we always been like huge x-factor fans um so we started talking about it and we we're like okay maybe we should do it blah 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 
And uh, then we started talking without, with our friends and they were like, no, don't go there because there's also all these rumors about like the X Factor contracts. It's terrible. They, they stop you from making music uh, for five years and blah, 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 blah. But of course, nothing of it. It's, right. it's true. It's, it's not a great deal. Right. It's not a great deal, but but it's a, it's a deal. It's doable. It was better than busking in the streets it at this point. It was way so, better than yeah. busking in the streets. And, and our, our final thought was they're going to give us at least one time on national TV. Right. So it's... The exposure, the platform, yeah, it's the a win, opportunity. It's a win-win exactly. situation, you know? So we just went for it. And um, we found out there that we were mentally a lot ahead of all the other contestants without knowing because there's this this uh moment that's called um artist propositions where basically you go to your judge and uh you propose the songs that you want to do and everybody had like four or five songs six songs we had a 40 songs oh catalog my God. we played we played for 2 hours and a half that's unbelievable in front of the judge the judges and they were like basically great we have the whole thing so we were so ahead of all the others because from the day one we knew all the songs that we were going to do we already rehearsed yeah. everything so our mindset was more more than worrying about okay we got to study the song we got to rehearsal the song and blah 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 we already knew it so we had time to think like out of the schemes and so right. it was all about like what were we going to do in this performance and what how we're like going to be affecting the performance yeah, yeah. yeah. how are we going to be like we always wanted to look like the 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 guest mm -hmm. like we don't want to look like we're in the competition we want to look right. like we, we're the international guest yes. you know we had this very arrogant um, well, you've been prepared. In, yeah, You're yeah. Prepared. We, we were very arrogant, but in the best way possible. You know, we were. You were confident. Yeah, there was also like this this healthy amount of of naive thinking. Yes, like everything is possible. Like a little bit delusional, you know. Uh -huh. But at the end, I think it's what made us um, successful. We always um, aimed for targets way higher than our possibilities, so that even if we land a little bit. Uh, lower it's always good so well i think because you had put the work in and yeah. you were good that you created your own luck it was your preparation meeting that opportunity that made you you know that brought you that fortune but you'd been working at it this whole time yeah so it's like you got the opportunity we're good to go yeah yeah that's the thing i think that like the mindset that we had when we were like kids kids prepared us to be ready to take the chances that we were getting and uh yeah, I think even with doing this, of course, I think we missed some chances that we had. But that, that I think, uh, makes us think of how important it is to be like mentally ready for this industry and for all everything that comes about with it. And then after the Eurovision... I was I was the head of Rocket Spotify at the time, and I want to be your slave was the song, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I that was my introduction to you, really. And I I love this song. I put the song on every Spotify playlist, <laughs> and like from there, it just felt like this 
phenomenon. You know, I had heard about the competition. Of course, I didn't know your whole history, but that song just really spoke for itself. And how mm-hmm. and and how it was reacting was also very ama- like, yes, I loved it, but like every playlist that I was like doing well. Mm-hmm. And then then Iggy Pop comes on. I mean, almost like all of a sudden it just had like a whole life of its own. Yeah. Talk to me about Iggy Pop being part of the song and singing your song. That was wild. Like <laughs> we were we were um in the studio. Uh, I don't remember. We were just, I think, trying to write a song or whatever. We were chilled. And uh, like out of the blue, our our manager comes in and he's like, oh, we just got a mail. Um, Iggy Pop wants to jump in. I want to be your slave. It was like this this 20 seconds of realization where everybody was silent and we're like, like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how we got here, you know? And we're like, of course, like, let's do it. Yeah. So we, we pushed so much that like two days after we were having this Zoom call with him and it was so iconic. And also like I was I was so flattered. I didn't know what to say because he was like, the song is great. I don't want to change the lyrics. I want to wow. sing what you what you wrote. And I was like, for real? Like, oh, yeah. my God. And he was like, um, and also like what you want me to do, how you want me to sing it? And I was like, yeah. Iggy Pop is asking you yeah, for I direction. Like, I was like, man, you're Iggy Pop. You can do whatever you want to do. Like, it's it's not up to me anymore. And um, and so we thought like, OK, now we're going to have this Zoom call. And in a couple of days, we're going to have the track back. But actually, we were having the Zoom call and he goes like, OK, do you want me to sing it now? And we're like, uh, uh, of course. <laughs> okay, okay, let me get in the boot. He stands up. He takes off his shirt. He gets in the boot. He does five takes. And he was like, are you good, guys? And we were like, yeah, of course we're good. Oh, my and God. We had the song, like, half an hour. That's how it went down? Yeah. I love that he had to take his shirt off yeah, for yeah, that, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's and he's like, shredded. Get and in he's... the mood, get in the mood, yeah. That's that's the best story. And you've so had fun. moments like this, you know, having co-signs from Mick Jagger. And, you know, I thought you had an interesting reaction when, when you know, Mick Jagger said something like, you know, you and Youngblood, who we love, and he's been on the show and MGK, that you're you're like saving rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But I thought that your response was really interesting. And you said that. What did they say? You said um, <laughs> I don't remember. You said something like, "No one's saving rock and roll. It just it, you just can't be killed, or something like that." Oh yeah, I think it's very. A rock and roll can never die. Yeah, like that. I think. Yeah. I think people talk too much about music genres. Right. I think um, like it made sense in the seventies, in the eighties, because the genres were very. Like defined, set, yeah, very defined, and there was like the rock culture and the hip hop culture and pop culture. Now I think that everything is pop culture because mm-hmm. with with our phones we can reach to every information about anyone in just one second. So everything is pop culture. Yeah. You cannot be niche anymore. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of talking about like uh they're the last rock band uh, they're not really rock because they they have this pop sound and it's like yeah i know i'm a pop star it's like, like how I, about listen and enjoy the music how does it make you feel yeah, like, you like it it's cool. like i think i think <laughs> we're all pop stars and we just interpret pop music in a in a different way but pop doesn't mean mainstream or or like cheesy stuff right. pop means popular popular so whatever gets popular, it's pop. So you can do the, the the most experimental stuff. But once you get people to listen to it, I'm sorry, it's pop. 
It's pop. It's true. I think everyone's just so excited that you all play instruments. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, think yeah, yeah. that's really what it is. Yeah, is yeah. that it's a band? It's a legit band yeah. with that everyone plays instruments really well. You write your own music. I always I say mean, we are a guitar live band. Right. That's what we are. I love that. Yeah, and I think also the songwriting is important to talk about because everyone knows you're an amazing performer, and I want to talk about that. But you are a fantastic songwriter. And I'd love to talk about that. And I actually went through and looked at some of my favorite songs. And I was just looking at the songwriting credits. But it's cool because you can have a song like Torna Casa and you wrote that yourself. And then I Want to Be Your Slave, the band wrote that together as a band. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive song that the band wrote. And then, of course, you know, Time Zone and Honey and If Not For You, we brought in Max Martin, Justin Trent, amazing songwriters. But the fact yeah. that you have proven that you can do it all. You can write yourself with the band, with outside writers, with the band. That's really shows that you're adept songwriters. I think that um, as an artist, my best quality is that I am pretty um, adaptable. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not married to anything that I do. Like I love everything I do, but I'm not obsessed with everything, with anything that I do. And I don't think that any of the things that I did with the band that I did on my own defines my identity. It's just a part of my identity. Yeah. So um, songwriting for me, is the best thing about my job because it allows me, first of all, to meet the most incredible people in the world. Like you mentioned, Justin, he's a fucking genius. Incredible. Like working with him is so inspiring. Like the vibe he has and and the way he managed to be so like joyful and then switch in one second and get you in this like very serious and dark places and the amount of words he knows and like the way he knows the English language is, is incredible yeah. and how much he helps me to express my thoughts because um, with English, the only thing that I still struggle a bit, it's sometimes I know what I want to say, but I only know like, one or two ways to say it, but there's hundreds of ways to say it. So what, what songwriters really helped me to do is like to put my thoughts in a, in a, in a beautiful way, you know, in English, um, like the songwriting, it's, it's something that also really helps you to know yourself, know what you like and how much you're, um, ready to open up with people because it's all about that like how much of yourself you want to give to people and uh, there there's been a time where and you can see it i think from my lyrics my lyrics were very very angry because i was like hiding myself behind it you know it was using my music as a shield mm -hmm. now i completely switched and i and i really want to use my music to open with people to open up with people because i feel like I'm ready to do it. I worked on myself and now I kind of like, kind of like how I'm coming out. And oh, uh, <laughs> that's so I'm, I'm ready to share it with people and songwriting. It's like my favorite part because it just allows you to, you just get in a room with people that you never met. And the first five minutes is, it's basically just tell me all your traumas. So we don't have to go through it. We already know everything and we can just start writing songs. And it's so beautiful because you skip all that, you know, that, that, that small talk part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and you get like to the deep shit 
immediately. And it's it's such a power th- powerful thing. It's it's like a first date in a therapy session at the same yeah, time. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but it, yeah. that's yeah. what it is. And, and it also brings out parts of your personality that maybe in your everyday life you kind of hide or you struggle to put out. In that moment, it's just pure freedom. It's so beautiful. I think it's it's really the, the most magical part of, of my job. That's absolutely beautiful. And you mentioned, you know, you've been working on yourself and, and getting comfortable. Like, like what, how has this process been like? I mean, it's just to be through so many different phases and iterations in front of the world yeah. while you're developing and discovering yourself. Yeah. You're doing it in front of everyone. How has this journey been? Basically, I, I always thought that getting famous uh, didn't affect me, but actually it did because I, I closed a lot. I got a, like very private um, when I got famous and known because I, I'm not, I'm actually an introverted. So mm-hmm. like when I'm on stage, I like being, of course, I love being looked at and I love being judged and I love that people are there for me. But in my everyday life, I don't really like to be under the radars and and all this stuff. So for a lot of years, I used to like hide everything and be like just my stage persona. And I was only putting out that because it was making me feel safer. You know, Mm -hmm. it was something like, I decide the the way you perceive me because I give you only this. I only give you like the the savage rock and roll part, yeah. um, which makes you feel like very strong and 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 all this stuff. But at one point, I was like, I'm I'm not just this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so much more than it. And first of all, I have to understand it and and embrace it. Like also my vulnerable part, my my failures, my traumas and all this. I have to be able to embrace it and face it. And then maybe I'm going to be able to share it with people. And I think that that now it's it's time to do it's it. Time. And yeah, and um, I think also it's it's beautiful to, um, I don't know, give the others the chance to take something from your experiences and not being just, it's not selfish, but like when you go through a lot in your life and you learn a lot of things and you get some some wisdom, yes, <laughs> something like yes. that. It, I think it's it's beautiful to have a platform that allows you to share it with, with people also because like the majority of our fans are younger than us. So mm-hmm. if I can use my, my experience to help them somehow, it would be like, great like a lot more than awards or stuff yes. like that it'd be the most rewarding yeah. to know that you that the fans are resonating yeah. with you and you're speaking to them that's awesome i was wondering that because you are such an incredible performer and you don't leave anything on stage i mean you you give yourself you give yeah. everything you have um emotionally physically you sing your heart out you know um I can only imagine, and also it's a, it's an energy exchange because you're giving yeah. so much. And then when you come off the stage, sometimes it's just it's grueling. It is grueling to find that healthy sort of balance. To mm-hmm. then, how do you sort of that the highs uh, the highest highs? A lot of performers when they're that intense, they have low lows, you know, yeah. and it's a it's a constant struggle to sort of. 
to find that healthy balance? Yeah, for, for me, I found this this method, but it it came natural. Actually, I didn't have to think about it. Like my, it's like my my stage persona. It's 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 not it's not me, but it's someone that I have to like evoke, like uh, wake up when mm -hmm. I get on stage. So like when I have to play a gig, I'm. Like, I don't even think about it till one minute to the stage. And then we have this intro, which is like one minute. And in that intro, in that moment, I like, I close my eyes, I take a deep breath and I get into the mood that, okay, you're on stage. You're not, you're the talent, you're the artist. Yeah. So like everyone is here for you. Like I hype myself and, um, it's I a get, mindset. Yeah, yeah. And I get, and I get in that, in that atmosphere, I get in that mood and, um, uh, Everything feels different. Like there's no shame of anything. I feel like I'm allowed to do pretty much everything. It's freedom. Uh, yeah. And then also like there's no boundaries anymore. I don't have to control or adapt to anything. It's my show. So I decide awesome. the pace. I decide what happens. But when the last song finishes, like exactly in that moment when the beat drops, it's over. Like, wow. You got to get back as fast as you can to your normal persona because otherwise going to having 50,000 people clapping and shouting for you and then you go to the backstage and the backstage is dirty it's silent because it's only you uh you're eating like leftovers because <laughs> there's nothing the, the, the catering is closed and yeah you have to fucking run away so you don't have to you cannot wait for like deliveries to come so you're eating rice and tuna <laughs> and there's like this huge contrast you know and if you get too used like if you normalize being on stage right. it gets i think it gets very very unhealthy it, it it's not normal to be on stage right. it's not normal to be on tour it's not normal to be a celebrity. Like right. it's, it's not a normal lifestyle and it doesn't have to be normalized. It's, it's a moment. It's our job when we're not working. It's not that we're not famous because of course it's a reflection of what we do, but we like the way you act when you're with your team and you have people working for you and you can ask everything to anyone because you're the talent. So you just need to be, in the in the right environment to, to go on stage when that's finished you're the same as your manager you're the same as your assistant you're the same as your promoter it's just people hanging out like trying to have a good work day it's humans so it's like a fucking it's like an office if someone yeah. has a bad vibe in an office everyone gets it and the office gets awful it's just everyone has to really put effort on being nice and and being easy also like not having too many requests i hate when i hear these stories like oh this artist wants uh, like a dog puppy in, in the <laughs> in the in the dressing room because it calms his anxiety i'm like just fucking go to therapy right like why do you have to have your team go to get a fucking dog right. for you it's it's too much that's too much we're playing music we're not saving lives it's weird we like i think where our goal is to give people one hour two hours where they're not thinking about anything just the music so they could they could 
cry, get emotional, have fun, get like horny. Yeah, like whatever. It's just our goal is to release that those emotions to give them like two hours where they can put everything out and then they go back home with this relief yeah but we're not like hard surgeons right like we have to chill out i think that's amazing that you really strive to remain so grounded and and so humble and i think that that is this the trick to remaining healthy yeah, I do. I th- I'm glad to hear you say that because a lot of people get wrapped up in that and it's not real. Yeah. And then it's sort of setting themselves up for disaster. Yeah. I also think it's great that you have the band and you have each yeah. other. And I'm sure you guys kind of support and, and ground each, each other. You balance each other. We balance yeah. each other. We're, talk we're talk we're to me about the dynamic. Tough. Yeah, I want to hear about that. It's like um, we are four. So it's very different from a solo artist, you mm-hmm. know? Because our managers, um, they're for all the four of us. It's not just for one. And same with the assistant and same with the, like the, the, the stage crew, like whatever. We have to be able to split everything. And you know that everything that you ask for, you're taking one request away from the other member mm-hmm. of the band. So like choose wisely what do you want and, and stuff like that. And uh, like with this dynamic where nobody wants to be like the mean one or the the hard one, we got like so simple that now when we get asked like, ah, what do you ask for for your backstage? And we're like, we don't ask anything because You're like water. Yeah, because <laughs> because everyone is like afraid of asking Aww. something because the other one might go, who you think you are, fucking Paul That's- McCartney. <laughs> So it's there's this dynamic that keeps everything okay. Let's 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 be easy for today because I don't oh. want to get bullied, you know. Oh, that's but that, really that's, great. That's fun actually, and that's very useful. That's pretty awesome. And yeah. Also, not getting too much in the idea of like I'm celebrity and the best. Like every time we're like, oh, who do you think you are? I and love Madonna, that. Like, yeah. What the that's fuck? So great. Yeah. And I love seeing all of the pictures of you guys. You always look like you're having like a wonderful time together. I saw you recently. You were in Nashville rocking the cowboy hats. I mean, okay, first of all, you guys all look amazing in cowboy hats. There's that. And the picture with Dolly Parton. I mean, that was a moment. Tell me about meeting Dolly. That was so fun. It was was in the morning. So we were all like sleepy and like trying to, I don't know, act cool. And then she came out and she was so energetic and she had full glam, full makeup. Full glam. And this animalier corset, she was so like, Put so together. much better <laughs> than us that we felt like shit. We were like, we were like, we were 20 and yeah. we were struggling with that shit. And she's, a, she's fucking 70 something. She's yeah. fine as Gorgeous. wine. Like, yeah. She's crazy good. Um, and then we, we played Jolene. We did our, oh, like wow. our own version of Jolene and she listened to it and she was like, Oh my God, yeah, you played so good. You're singing it amazing. And thank you for not changing the lyrics. And I was like, of course, like, who am I to change the lyrics? And she was like, yeah, there's a lot of dudes that change the lyrics because they don't feel comfortable. And I was like, who, that once again, <laughs> the thought of who do you think you are? That you're feeling it's enough to change the lyrics of Jolene, right. the most covered song ever, ever 
ever. It has like 4,000 versions. Yeah. Who do you think you are to change the lyrics? Like, Talk about now. the best performer and songwriter, Dolly Parton. I mean, it doesn't get much better. I mean, she's the yeah. epitome of performance and songwriting, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this really funny meme. It was like, Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and... I will always love you in the same day and I can't even get like my laundry done. You know, it's like something like she wrote both of those songs in the same day. I uh, mean, talent like that. Must have been a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there anyone you look to that is just, you know, whether it's a songwriter or a performer or artist or I know, or a fashion icon. I love your style, which I, I want to talk about as well. Are there people you look to? I, of course I do, but um, I have like a weird feeling for everything that came uh, before mm -hmm. because there's this way of thinking that a lot of people have is that if something is before the 2000, it's good. If it's after the 2000, it's not good. It's not like that, my right. dear audience. It's just <laughs> that, it's just that today we have these fucking phones and you can get information about everyone in every moment. Yeah. So if you want to know about, us Moneskin, you just type Moneskin and you have ha everything, all our catalog, all of our photos. So you have everything at once. Yes. In the 70s, if you want to get a picture of Robert Plant, you got to go to the shop, buy the magazine, and maybe you get two photos of Robert Plant for the whole year. Yes. So of course you fucking fantasize about it, you idealize, you make it, we, you make them huge. They were fucking huge. The yeah. best band ever existed. But By the way, same. Is Led Zeppelin your favorite band? It's not my favorite band, but I think it's the greatest band ever existed. Interesting. Two different things. Mm, yeah. I think I think greatness is objective of and course. taste is subjective. Um, I love so, that, though. So we don't That's have this chance to be legendary. Right. Because we are pop. We are everyday culture. We are in people's everyday life. In the 70s, you couldn't go around with fucking headphones listening to Oliver Rodrigo all day. You have to go back home, buy your vinyl, take the vinyl on the fucking, I don't know how you call it, mm -hmm. and listen to the vinyl, listen to the whole thing. Yes, the entire It's album. completely different. We are playing a completely different game. It's like, yes. it's like playing hockey and playing soccer. Right. It's You're like absolutely two right. Two different sports. Unrelated experience, yeah. how people consume and experience music. Mm, yeah. So like... I try to look up at artists of my generation and I think there there are people that are crazy talented like Billie Eilish she's yeah. she's amazing um Oliver Rodrigo she's amazing uh Justin Bieber he's a mm -hmm. fucking talent like <laughs> there's that. there's people that are considered like pop and mainstream but they're actually getting into the culture and and changing it and people want to dress like billy like yeah. kids want to dress like billy eilish kids want to be like billy eilish yeah. and that's the same thing that was happening with led zeppelin and blah blah, blah. it's just that today you want to be like billy eilish but the day after you see a photo of i don't know oliver rodrigo so you want to be like oliver right. rodrigo. and the day after you see moniskin and maybe you want to be like moniskin like we overstimulate it so we yes. don't have, we don't even have the time to get so attached to something and i think it's all i think in a, in a way it's healthy because you reduce the idolization of, yes. of celebrities it everything gets more normal like they have breakups they have 
they have TikTok like me. They yeah. do TikToks. They do TikTok dances to have fun. They have mental health struggles and mm-hmm. they cancel tours. And um, this song doesn't go so well. Oh my God, they fail. Like we're humans. Yes. And, and being in the everyday culture, may I think, makes you more human in a way. And on the other way, we, we're slowly becoming fucking canvas for people so it's um i think that people should be educated on how to use social medias and how to deal with with celebrities and new things and um like the stimulation that the internet internet give us i think should be like a school subject I agree because it's it can be so unhealthy. Exactly, so toxic. It's dangerous. It's so fuck. dangerous. Yeah. How do you navigate it? Like, how do you remain healthy with your usage of of social media? I um, you got to learn that even if you're in the biggest shit store you've ever seen, this is a very small portion of the world. Like, even if you get, I don't know. 20,000 bad tweets against you, you always have to think, what is 20,000 against 8 billion people in the <laughs> right. world? It's just a small segment. And of course, like uh, people that agree on something, they hype <sighs> yeah. each other. So maybe there's a thousand people hating you, but then other people read it and they get affected. And so you have 2,000, but like, Five days after, everyone is, is going to forget it. Mm-hmm. It's just like some people, they 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 just want to also like some haters. They don't even hate you for real. It's just a topic. It's just right. something to talk about, you know? So like for one hour, they fucking hate you. They write hateful comments. But five minutes later, they're not even thinking about it. So it's everything is relative. And you also got to be like, we have the privilege to make art and to express ourselves in the way we want to. Yeah. Like I decide what to say in a song and nobody can tell me like to do it in a different way. And I think that with this privilege, it comes also like, it comes that when you open yourself to the world, you cannot mm, want that any everybody understands right like uh, you have to take the risk uh-huh. and uh, i think that's why I, I say like you have to be ready to do it because if you're not very sure of who you are it's very easy to get affected by people comments and uh, think that you're a piece of shit because people just say it but People know like a very small percentage of your life and they don't know like your human being part at least you you're not showing it um so it's yeah it's very relative you just gotta deal with it and i think also that if it gets out of hands you can answer like i'm not i'm not very pro with this like be be better don't answer don't go don't lower yourself to their level why shouldn't i (laughs) Like, what am I? Who am I? Superman? No. (laughs) Right. Like, does anybody pay me to deal with it? No. So, like, if you fucking exaggerate, I'll show you. Like, I'm a human being, so I can get mad too. Absolutely. It's my my right. Like, we don't have to be perfect all the time. Of course not. Of course. You're human. That's what's beautiful about it. 
You know, I think that's what resonates more, that you're actually human. Yeah. yeah. You're not Superman. You're a human being. I don't want to be Superman. I know. Too much responsibility. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> that's true. You have voiced in the past about being anti-drug um, and that because it has to do with like your art and clarity. I mean, is that how you, is that how you, do you still feel that way? I mean, it's, uh, it's very uh, like, uh, how do you say it? Like definitive to say anti-drugs. Right, I'm, I'm right, right. Not anti-drugs. Right. Like I'm anti killing yourself right, or, right. or either going, I'm anti-drugs when you're working. Like mm -hmm. if you go on stage and you're fucked up, it's very, I think it's very disrespectful like to go on stage drunk or, like so high that you cannot like even fucking connect or remember your song or you're singing like shit because you're fucked up. I think it's very disrespectful because once again, there's people paying to paying their money and saving their money mm -hmm. to come see you. And it's not just the, the gig ticket. Sometimes they have to take planes and they have to pay for the hotel. And um, it's, it's, it's just so disrespectful to like if the if the ticket it's 20 euros 20 dollars <laughs> it's 20 dollars i'm paying 20 dollars to see you at your fucking best possibility i'm not paying to see the worst version of yourself mm -hmm. if you're gonna be the worst version of yourself i'm gonna pay one euro yeah i'm gonna i'm paying for the full performance like if you go to a hotel and you pay 2k for for a room and then the bed is it's dirty you don't <laughs> want to pay 2k anymore yeah you know it's a service and i think it's the same people pay for a it's not a service but people pay to see something. it's an experience yeah you're paying for an experience yeah. the full experience yes and if you give them less than that you should give them back the money yeah i understand that also you know we were talking before about overdoing it, overdoing drugs, not doing it in moderation. Unfortunately, you know, the 27 Club, some of the greats, the greatest musicians to ever live, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison. You know, when you hear stories like that and how famous they were, and a lot of times they couldn't deal with the fame, does that resonate with you at all? Just how, how they were unable to deal with fame in a lot of cases? Um... I think that nowadays we have so many more tools mm -hmm. to avoid it. Like mental health was yes. not a thing at the time. Um, also, they knew that drugs weren't good for your health, but they didn't actually knew right. how bad they were. And uh, especially like in the 80s, the industry was like wild normalized like, yeah, it yeah that was, was the default like that was wild. the norm yeah, yeah. so it was uh, i think the worst time to be a celebrity because the labels were fucking expensing it yeah <laughs> and like squeezing everything out of you yeah um and you had no chance like to to go against it like you didn't have like a platform to say my label is killing me right like now you just do an instagram story and everybody knows what's going on so we have we have more tools and and also i think there's there's some artists that are doing great thing to make people understand that we are humans like um, last year that Shawn Mendes canceled his tour, I was like, he's the bravest so guy brave, yeah. on earth. Do you feel extra sort of pressure 
being Italian and being one of the very few Italian artists to have such global superstardom. Like I was trying to think like what other Italian artists like Bocelli or, or Pavarotti, you know, these these legends, right? Yeah, but yeah. very few. I mean, maybe on one hand, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you feel an added pressure to to keep succeeding or to represent your country? Talk to me about that sort of that layer of pressure, responsibility. Yeah, I, I have a lot of pride to be like one of the very few Italians to to make it. That's that's something that makes me like very, very proud. Oh. Um I have the pressure not really of of representing Italy in the world, but more of not making Italy feel uh left out of the conversation. Because I'm I'm very, very close to my Italian heritage and mm-hmm. to our Italian fans. Basically everything started from from there. So we will always be grateful for for what happened and um so i have this this pressure like not to get too american you know i say you know but at at the same time uh, i think that what we're doing is good for italy and good for other italian artists so i'm like okay whatever we're gonna think about it now i'm working on it so i think by being so uh, massive that's incredible for your i mean look at a band like you too you know what i mean they're one of the biggest of course irish bands but they've become so big that it's just like pop culture it's popular it's global and i think that's great for ireland Mm, you know yeah that's great yeah and and also another thing that sometimes uh puts some pressure on me is like we're italian and we're not either latin american or American. So we're not part of these two cultures. So I know that everything we do has to be so fucking perfect to get in. Like we we have to actually work more than than the the indigenous artists because um of course we're not part of the culture. So we have to find ways to get in the culture and and uh we speak english with italian accent so like you you can hear that we're not american so we have to get american somehow to get in in the market you know to get people used to see us as a pop thing to mm-hmm. as a mainstream thing as part of the culture right would you consider living here living to america i'm sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> no i um i i could live here some of the year yeah some of the year that's yeah. the best balance because because like to write music this is the best place in the world right like the best producers are here the best songwriters but the 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 vibe that that italy gives it's i'm sorry it's a match of it's the best yes i was just there earlier this summer yeah, and it, it is the greatest respect yeah. respect yeah, yeah. I, I get that when you were dreaming about being a, a, a rock star pop star global superstar and you've achieved so much now. Do you, is this what you imagined? Is this what you dreamed of? Actually, it's a funny story because I was always being obsessed by, I have to have a song, a number one song, number one chart song. And all my life was based on this. I was obsessed. I had this, this engine inside of me. And then we actually, we actually got it with, with Begin. And when I got it, I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, is this what I really wanted? Maybe not. Maybe I tricked my brain for so many years. 
And I had this moment of like, oh my God. So like, do I like my job? Do I want to keep doing it? Like, like what's, what's my purpose with it? Like, do I want to just make music and whatever, how it goes, it goes. I, I, that, that really, really hurt me in that moment and made me uh, feel like lost. And mm -hmm. I didn't know, like, why, why am I making music? Like, what's my purpose? And I had several months where I, where I went like numb, mm -hmm. you know, I was just doing my tasks, you know, just go on stage, sing, go back home. You're done. I was not really thinking about it. I was not really into it because it was a, it was a way to protect myself yeah. from suffering. You know, if you have no expectations, no, like if you're not involved, you cannot be disappointed, you know? Mm-hmm. But then um, that that numbness starting started to like transform into kind of depression and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I have to uh, fix it. And uh, I found out that actually songwriting is my real purpose. It's that's what I actually want to do. At one point in my career, I want to stop performing and just be a producer and a songwriter. That's incredible. Do you think that you would ever do any solo music? Why not? Like, I think it's, I think it's, um, it could be a very healthy thing and a very destructive thing. It all, mm, the only thing that matters is how you agree it with the band. Yeah. Because the band, it's always going to be what gave me everything I have. And if I, ever have the chance to do a solo project i have to keep in my mind that it's thanks to everything wow. i did with the band that's my foundation that's mm -hmm. where i come from that's where i developed as an artist and most of everything it's three people that always supported me and always had my like literally had my back on stage wow. supporting me and i always had like this shield yeah. of my band my musicians like if i fuck up they're gonna save me if they fuck up i'm gonna save them so that's a dynamic that really scares me thinking about it like if one day i have a solo project i'm gonna be alone like it's gonna be all on me mm -hmm. but on the other hand being in a band means um to uh how do you say it? Uh, compromise that's right to always compromise about Everything, everything about how you dress about what you say in the interviews because we have to agree i cannot say some shit that they not they do not agree with right. and uh sharing your like trying to explain to someone what you wrote in your lyrics so they can talk about it too and try to match your feelings with them feelings so you can write the right song and like right. everything it's a compromise and it's wonderful be because four brains have more creativity than just one brain and it's it's beautiful to share ideas and share music and it's beautiful to have a music project shared with yes, other people yes but at the same time i think that um it comes a point where every artist should do his own thing and and like saying this is me yeah and this is what I would do if I was alone, if, if everything was about me and thought mm -hmm. about me. It's cathartic. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think also, like, if I do a solo project tomorrow, 
I think that it's going to help people understand more about the band because I'm one of the four elements of the band. So if you see my full universe, you're going to be able to, um, to see my influences in the band and see what doesn't come from me. And Mm -hmm. actually by knowing me better, you're going to, you're going to get to know the other three better. So I think it's very interesting. And I, I, I actually wish that one day we all do like a solo project one year and then we come back together That's with interesting. N- like new ideas, new uh, stimulations. I, th- I think art should be always trying new things and yes. never, never stopping in your comfort zone. When something gets too comfortable, it's, eh, it's not the Absolutely right, it's right. not the right chair, you know? Ugh, you are such an inspiration. So it's, you always have to challenge yourself. So being alone scares me let's be alone like <laughs> exactly. let's let's put myself in that uncomfortable situation because it's the only environment where i can actually grow and if i grow my band can grow mm-hmm. if i stop developing my band is going to stop developing that's where the magic happens actually when you put yourself in yeah. the most uncomfortable yeah. position you yeah. know when you take risks exactly yeah. all right let's do deep cuts name a song album or artist that changed your life uh recovery by jim sarter excellent what was your first concert guns and roses in rome really that's yeah. an incredible first concert yeah, because they were my my it was it's funny because um my my mom and dad bought us like the the guitar hero game oh yeah and it was this version that was Aerosmith versus Guns N' Roses. So okay. you had the whole catalog of the two bands and I got obsessed with Aerosmith and my brother got obsessed with Guns N' Roses. Oh, that's so good. So there was this inner this, like, fight war, between yeah. me and my brother. Uh, but then he won because we went to see Guns N' Roses. <laughs> and not, and not it's sort Aerosmith. of a win-win though. Either yeah, one would have been yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're both performing now. I was, now, I was you know? a bit, bit pissed, you know, because right. oh, my brother favorite. But, but still a pretty great first show. Yeah, yeah, oh my God, great. I love that. If you were not a musician, what would you be? Um, I would love to be uh, either a comedian because I love doing impressions and shit, like accents and stuff like that. Or um, can you do one for us? Oh What's it? Oh, please. <laughs> okay. And um, or either work in the um, like restaurant field. Mm-hmm. I love work like food and um, hosting and shit. Yeah. Like that. What is your favorite meal or cuisine? Uh, that's very hard. I think my, if I should decide something that I eat every day would be pasta al pesto mm-hmm. because it's easy. It's beautiful. Like yes. that, that, that green, it's so beautiful. It and, so beautiful. and the smell of basil, it's, I love it. It is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Great choice. What is your most prized possession? I have, um, a shirt, a football shirt that was wore by uh, Maradona oh, oh wow on I the pitch and it's still um dirty of 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 uh, it was never cleaned it has yeah it was never <laughs> cleaned and it was of the championship here i don't even know the value of that thing oh, i keep my. it like hidden is it like, like it framed or like how do you have yeah, it okay yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah that has no value i okay. think i think it's yeah. That's invaluable. Yeah, Incredible. That, that's worth, I think, more than my house. So that's pretty I, amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. What is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you? I think there's this idea that I'm like 
a savage, a rocker, and uh, like a player, and like that I hook up every day with a different girl. And uh, it's it's not like that. Of course, it happened, but um, actually, I'm very like uh, I'm romantic and shit, uh, and, I, and I tend to like uh, get close to people. I don't like have to have like shallow relation mm-hmm. relationships. I don't like one night stands. You know, I'm more. I always look for something into into a person. Otherwise, I'm. I'm very not into it. Oh, that's really beautiful. You like to connect. You like yeah. the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get that. That's awesome. If you can meet any celebrity dead or alive, who would it be? Can it be, can it be a celebrity? Yes, He's of a celebrity, course. You know? Of course. Yeah. Leonardo da Vinci, hands down, without thinking. Wow. The biggest genius of, of course, human of all time. history. That's an incredible choice. Wow. Okay. Obsessed. <laughs> I understand. I understand. What's the greatest risk you've ever taken? Probably singing... Amy Winehouse, mm-hmm. a cappella at the Madison Square Garden it was a pretty big risk. It's a ballsy move. Yeah. That, that's the first that comes in my mind. But yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was great. That was a, that was a nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was, was a, a special tribute. I was in a good shape that night. I, <laughs> I have to admit it. When I look at the videos, I'm like, oh, you were on fire that night. <laughs> I love that. But it's good. I love that you can look at yourself and be proud. That's important. Yeah, that's really yeah, fantastic. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, last but not least, are there words you live by? Oh my God. Um, there's a few. Uh, I would say don't do to the others what you don't want mm-hmm. to be done to you. I don't know if it's grammatically yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, don't, don't like act with people like you want people to act with you. Exactly. And I think you, for you, it's be humble. I mean, you're you're very grounded. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> don't be an that, asshole. That's my motto. I think that's a good that's motto. That's my motto. I wake up every day and I think, don't be an asshole today. Thank you so much. You are a gift, really. You Thank are a you. light and you deserve all the success. And I feel like you're just getting started. I mean, I don't even know what's possible with you guys. Thank you. So. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Wow. Sitting down with Damiano was one of my favorite conversations. Just hearing his story and debunking the myths that they were an overnight sensation, just understanding that dedication early on, that non-negotiable practice, the busking to X Factor, then putting out two albums even before Eurovision, which prepared them for that success. And of course, their global takeover. They put in the work, they deserve it all. But my favorite part of this in-depth conversation with Damiano was learning what a beautiful, gracious person he is. He's just so grounded and humble. So in addition to his talent, he prioritizes being a good person. And that is the most important. It is now time for my sound advice, new music you need to know on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. Kicking off this week is the latest from today's guest, Damiano David of Monoskin. Their expanded deluxe edition of their third studio album, Rush, is out today, which includes five new songs, including this one. Damiano said it's a story of a meeting between two people who together see a bit of sadness in each other's eyes, something that makes them feel out of place an invitation to join in in a new adventure without actually knowing what awaits them and enjoying that journey. Listen to Monoskins, Honey, Are You Coming? Also out this week is another new one out today from my favorite new band, Return to Dust. I will continue to champion these guys because I just love what they're doing. I love their sound. I love that they're so DIY and completely independent. But this is an extremely personal song, and the video highlights what it feels to be the child in an abusive household. 
Bass player and vocalist Graham Stanis shared that it was a chance to shed light on something he's kept close to his chest for a long time. And it wasn't until his parents' passing and years after that he felt comfortable sharing. The song and the music video speaks for itself. Check out Return to Dust song out today when you look at me. Next up is another independent band, Motherwind. They are from Wisconsin and they cite other modern alt-rock groups like Bad Flower, Highly Suspect, and Nothing But Thieves as influences, three of my favorites. This song is about knowing a certain love may be toxic, but craving it anyway. I'm sure that is something we can all relate to. Check out the latest from Motherwind, Dirty Sheets. That's my sound advice this week. Search for the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist wherever you listen to music. Thank you so much, as always, for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also watch the show on YouTube. I'd love to hear from you, so please like, rate, comment, review, whatever you're feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I'd love to connect. Let me know who I should interview next and what new music I should feature on my sound advice. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star. 